This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Nathan Olson, Peter Walker, Sean Brown, Michael Watanabe, and Stephen Bauer. I believe they have a giant robot and they put it all together and form blazing something or other. In any case, this one goes out to them. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue earth that was could no longer sustain our numbers we were so many we found a new solar system dozens of planets and hundreds of moons the central planets formed the alliance and ruled by an interplanetary parliament the alliance was a beacon of civilization come one day there won't be room for naughty men like us to slip about at all so this job goes south there may not be another here's us on the raggedy edge don't push me and i won't push you dong lemma the Major Spoilers podcast is quoting Joss Whedon for pretty much no reason at all, and it's on the air! Welcome to issue 467 of the Major Spoilers podcast, the Once Upon a Time Machine podcast. Mm-hmm. 467. Thank you for downloading and listening and making us a part of your week or month or however long it takes you to get through this episode. Sometimes we know people listen at work. Sometimes people listen on the train. Sometimes Oops. people listen in the plane. Sometimes people listen in a uh, car while they're vacuuming. Uh, Somebody said this week that I box. love listening to the Major Spoilers podcast while I do homework or uh, housework because it makes everything go so much smoother. Mm-hmm. So like we are MS- glad to be able to fill your ear holes each and every time with our little tales and frivolity and and goofiness. Why don't we get to some news? <laughs> So this week in our news lineup, we have MacGyver heading to the big screen, Transformers 4 on the way, and Marky Mark is set to star, and DC cancels Hellblazer, but announces Constantine. Let's spin that magic wheel and see where it lands. I can't make the wheel noise after they cancel Hellblazer. Well, but they're they're making Constantine, so... That's, yeah, that's got to be a consolation. It'll just depress me. No good. Tick, tick, tick. Oh, look, number one. MacGyver heading to the big screen. So I think uh, this was kind of mentioned a while ago, or at least I predicted after we read when Matthew and I did that Dueling Review episode where we did MacGyver number one. Yeah, Fugitive Gambit. I was like, hey, this feels like a big movie setup, or Mm -hmm. at least a a made-for-TV movie setup. And sure enough, New Line Cinema trying to get the MacGyver to the big screen. And they've even hired a director. uh, Which is a good thing to do when you're trying to make a movie. James Wan. Have you read this? Have you seen this movie, Conjuring the Conjuring? Mm-mm. I wonder if it'll come to our movie theater, our sucky, no. sucky movie theater no. <laughs> that did not get Cloud Atlas. And now, on the eve of a brilliant movie that I'm excited to watch, Lincoln, the theater announces, we're not getting Lincoln. Instead, we're running a Twilight Marathon in the lead up to the Twilight Part 2, whatever the Breaking Bad is. <laughs> I thought James Wan played <laughs> no. the Big Bad in Big Trouble in Little China. I don't know. Uh, so I'm not happy about. Mm. about Our movie that. theater does worse things for movies than whatever your least favorite movie is. Our movie theater is worse than that movie. Yeah, what was that movie you saw this past weekend, Rodrigo? The uh, I didn't see it. Oh, I was. You drove up to the theater and said, "Meh." Well, so I was this weekend. I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go see a movie." And this is this is my movie theater. 
in my town, which is even smaller than this one. Right. They usually only have one movie showing at a time. Right. So I'm like, okay, what's out? Skyfall and Wreck-It Ralph. Right. So the biggest action thing out right now and the biggest kids thing out right now. One of those two movies has to be showing at my theater. Right. No. The only thing that they had was Here Comes the Boom. Now, you know how many weeks that was playing at our theater? I think it's still is. All of them? Oh, my it's God. Still it still playing. is there? I think it might be. Let me check. Three weeks. Ugh. Three weeks. Matthew, have you seen this movie? Bring on the boom or whatever here, it is. Here Comes the Boom. Here Comes the Boom. It's about everybody's favorite UPS delivery man who suddenly decides he wants to become a mixed martial artist. Yep. Here Comes the Boom is still playing oh, here. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> What is wrong with America <laughs> when you can't get a decent movie in the heartland? And here's the yeah. thing. Like, I know people that work at the movie theater, and they said that movie Fun Size, that Halloween yeah. weird thing, it sold like two tickets for it the first opening weekend, and it's it's still playing. Whoever their buyer wow. is at Showtime Cinemas just sucks. It sucks so much, if you're listening. So I, it looks kind of good, though. I have little hope that we will see. Was it see. good? Actually, it, I it, bet. it looked kind of good. It was. It's a as a like a Chelsea Handler joint. So if you're into her style of humor, I think maybe. Ugh. I have little doubt, Matthew, <laughs> that MacGyver will come to our theater now. <laughs> I just, I'm just enjoying listening to and you. I, and the and the fact that I know that they're not going to get Django Unchained, and I just oh, I just are they know, not getting I just, that? I just know like there's no Time way to move. after everything they've already skipped. There's there's no way we're going to get it. Yeah, I mean, There's they're, just probably, no way. they're not going to get uh, the man with the not, iron. Yeah, and, that one didn't come. They didn't come they, they, they they're they're not going to play that. They're not going to play a Tarantino movie. Jeez. So I hear there's this MacGyver movie coming. Well, not to our theater. Not to our theater. <laughs> if it has good on it in any way, shape, or form, it's not coming to our theater. So well, maybe MacGyver will come. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, <laughs> it'll play like when Planet of the Apes came out. It played here for like six months straight. And look who's talking. Played here for like six months straight. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I was in like 1992. Man. Yeah, six months straight, still, still burning. But, but that's when that's when that theater was only a two screen cinema. They were playing "Look Who's Talking" and "Look Who's Talking Now" <laughs> side by side. <laughs> Lead up up to "Look Who's Talking" and a baby, it, it, it three men was. and a little lady. "Look Who's Talking" six months of that, and then "Planet of the Apes" oh, six months of that. Look who's talking was a huge hit though in terms of dogs. look who's was there. Look who's talking too. Yes, where like there are yeah, dogs was, now. No, look who's talking too was the little daughter, the little uh, sister, voiced then, by Roseanne Barr. What about look who's talking now? That's the dogs. Look who's That's talking dogs. now was the dog. Uh, and look who's talking. Uh, I think beneath the planet of the look who's talking yeah. is the one where they find Charlton Heston, and then the nuclear bomb goes off. And there's just a little uh, ape sitting there with his skull, going, "How yeah. you doing, Charlton?" Curse yeah. you, you dirty ape, and running his jaw with his yeah. with his. And then there uh, was a son, son of the look who's talking, <laughs> where uh, there was no, son it was of the bride mask. of look who's talking. That was it. so. Anybody interested in MacGyver? I, I am a little no. Bit. I'm I'm scientifically curious about what they're going to do with MacGyver because there. it it's such a strange property, such a specific property, kind of to the to the time that it was made. So it seems like any sort of updating would kind of change it a little too drastically. Well, MacGyver's basic premise is a guy who is a pacifist who fights violence with the power of science. Science! And I think that that's something that you could do universally, especially, you know, in the 80s, there was the evil empire and and what have you, but... There's any number of ways that you could put this Good MacGyver oh, character. Hey, half of half of those episodes were not 
MacGyver fighting Russians. Most well, of them yeah. were him tackling some environmental issue mm-hmm. of the week. Yeah, but I'm talking about when you make a movie, you kind of have to look at what people expect. And you say, what do people think about when they think about MacGyver? Big hair and fighting crime with rubber bands. Yep. That's what I so think I, th- I think essentially what it's going to break down to is, you know, it, are they going to be able to put it in a modern context? Yes. I, I think so. It's an easy enough premise. I mean, it's just yeah. man fixes solves problems with gadgets around him. And there yeah. have been a number have star of Adam Savage and have him really do it. There have been a number of movies that have incorporated elements of MacGyverisms into their story and it's worked just fine. So, yeah. well, the MacGyverism predates MacGyver. Uh, do we want to see, uh, do we want to see Richard Dean Anderson? Richard Dean Anderson is 67 years old. Well, <laughs> do we want to see him in the movie? Um, I think I don't, some- I mean, it would be kind of cool if he was there. I think it would be kind of weird if he was there. And it would be really weird if he was there with the military and a bunch of aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that if they bring in Richard Dean Anderson, they have to do that awful, horrible son of MacGyver thing that I hate so very much. If we're going, I mean, yes, we want to honor the property. Son of look who's talking. Exactly. (laughs) MacGyver has fans. MacGyver probably has more fans than, you know, the 3D man. But when you come down to it, if you put Richard Dean Anderson in it, you have to explain who is Richard Dean Anderson? Why is he not MacGyver? And if he is MacGyver, you have to explain why MacGyver is 70 years old. And well, if it's you know if he's in it and he's playing somebody else, if he's doing a Stan Lee cameo, it's one thing. But if you make him a big part of this movie, you have to acknowledge well, Dana, the it, fact that people are going to look at him. Yeah, Dana, I mean, it, it Eclair, would, Dana Eclair, I think that's his last name, Eclair or Elcar. Elcar. Uh, he's dead yeah. now, isn't he? So you could have Anderson play that role. Well, you could. Dana Elcar is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the guy who played the villain is still alive, isn't he? Yes, he is. And he recently was just on Broadway doing something. Mm. There you go. You could. I think it would have to be. I think it would absolutely have to be a cameo. Yeah. Well, but I'm saying you could have him play the the, the Dana Elkar character. Mm. I think that would be too distracting. You think? Yeah, I do. But I see, young I, Zach here is quiet the entire time because well, he's like, I have no idea what the MacGyver is. because everything you say, I'm just IMDb, like, who is the yeah. people? Yeah, but see, that's like, the thing is, 85. then it doesn't matter if you include right, right, right. whoever. Well, like, you would have a better chance of casting SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> as the yeah. villain, and then Zach would know who that is. Of course I would. It's, it's kind of like when they relaunched Star Trek and they did the new universe, and they put Nimoy in it. If they had had Nimoy playing the head of the Federation and not Spock, it would have been a huge, huge problem for me because I would go, that's that's Spock over there. I like Siler. I like Siler's Spock, but that's Spock over there. And I don't think that, you know, I don't think that Richard Dean Anderson has that kind of cachet i guess where you go no he's only macgyver well, although he, maybe he, he does do. that's the thing is though he does in one place and that's his macgyver mm-hmm. possibly True. um as the as, as as i kind of was joking around earlier as a stargate guy but that's only yeah. because he's the second person to play that character mm-hmm. that he he's doesn't no have that necessarily right yeah i think you could do it and i think you could have him in there I think that if you do it, though, you have to do some sort of some sort of mythology device where they do MacGyver. And this is actually Angus MacGyver's son, Seamus or some crap. 
And I think that that might appease the hardcore fans without making the property too hard to approach for, you know, the average person in the street who only knows big hair and rubber bands. Let's uh, let's take a listen to this question from uh, from Jimmy. Hey, Major Spoilers. This is Jimmy, and I was just calling about Wreck-It Ralph. I know uh, Stephen mentioned that he enjoyed the movie, and Zach, I believe, did as well. And it got me thinking. It was a very good treatment of video game characters and video game concepts, and it did a great job of homaging a lot of the great video games of the 80s and 90s. And I was just thinking it didn't really dwell on any of those concepts. It used entirely new worlds and played in those worlds, but it was still being very honoring the older games. And comic book movies, I think Marvel's movies have done a really good job of that, whereas DC's movies have really struggled, especially Green Lantern in particular. So I was just wondering what you guys think is the right level of balancing the shout-outs to the hardcore nerds while also exploring a new story, what that balance should be for a proper superhero or other classic movie. So thanks, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. So I think Jimmy has a good question here, especially when we're dealing with comic book movies, and it kind of ties back to MacGyver. At what point or how far should you go to appease the... uh, the hardcore fans. See, that's a that's a hard road to hoe. Because let's say they're making a movie tomorrow about the 3D man. There are maybe 60,000 people in the world who are going to be really, really aware of who or what the 3D man is. There are maybe 100,000 people who could pick him out of a lineup. So making a movie to appease those people isn't going to do you a whole lot of good. Yeah, but I mean, the, the thing is, you know, the first time you see Stan Lee in a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, how many people knew knew that that was Stan Lee? They just saw some old guy Ju- going, judging, Hello, judging Mr. Richards, how is the only, mail, Excelsior. Yeah, judging from how was the only guy to go, ha! <laughs> during Spider-Man, probably not that many people. Yeah, but see, you the got that. So, yeah. you know, how far it's do we need to go to get that balance or it's, for the fans, for the a, for the hardcore fans, like, there's a there's a difference like between fans. there's a difference between putting in a shout out mm-hmm. and and changing something. For example, I mean Iron Man is a good example. They basically took Whiplash and Crimson Dynamo and smushed them into one character in Iron right. Man, right? Yeah. Who which nobody cares about except for the handful of guys that actually read Iron Man and were like, hey. They're totally smooshing the Crimson Dynamo and that Whiplash guy. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. but that's a very small population because the the amount of people that read Iron Man were already small. Right. Plus, yeah. the guys that actually cared that that happened were even smaller. So right. that they could have said, "Oh no, no, we can't do this because then the hardcore fans will be upset." But they decided to just let it go because there wasn't right. going to be a significantly large enough amount of people that were going to be upset. Now. And for me, it's all about Thanos. Mm. At the end of the Avengers, there is that dramatic moment that is set up, makes sense by the movie. It's a dramatic moment where you go, oh, no, this is a setup for the sequel. You go, oh, no, this is what's behind this. And the 60,000 people who go, oh, no, that's Thanos, son of Mentor, the former scion of Titan. Those people get a little you know, bilingual bonus out of it. <laughs> 
for all intents and purposes, because they also speak nerd. But everybody who watched that movie and saw that bit, you knew who Thanos was. Thanos is the big bad who was behind the big bad. They set it up and it made sense. And you're like, oh, no, they're pimping the next movie. Yes, but they're also appeasing those of us who know who Thanos is. And I think that the Marvel movies are a really good example of taking what's essential and chucking the rest. I mean, there's there until the first Iron Man movie came out, that iteration of Tony Stark, the wisecracking and the drinking and the everything hadn't really come together in the comics, at least for several years. That movie came out when Iron Man was still in his heavy duty fascist mode. Right. So they so what you're saying then is we don't have to worry about movie people don't have to worry about they kind of giving don't. a little shout no, they, out they, a little know. nod to well the nods are one they're not the nods are fine yeah. and the nods to a certain degree uh lubricate that they they allow yeah. the it's something saying look hardcore guys i know that th- that like foggy nelson is basically not in this at all right but but here's stanley wearing a funny hat Right. right, and it, it's also it's, okay. it's it's a little bit of lubrication in that we, the hardcore nerds, get that moment, and there is nothing that hardcore nerds love more than people going, "Your hardcore nerdery nudity mm-hmm. is different. Your hardcore nerdery is respected, and we love you, and this is awesome. We are making this movie partly because of you, so that we can go out and say Avengers is the best movie ever, right. and make sure you watch all the way to the end of the credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think Jimmy's talking about specifically Wreck It Ralph in this instance, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And I think, and I watched it, and I think that's what it did well is like the nods to the retro gaming stuff wasn't mm-hmm. the driver for the movie, but they were there, and they right, were right. obvious for you know it. They so I build think that universe, right? So and if, same way with what our, our discussion of Skyfall and listeners, Skyfall, uh, right. Zach and I and Rob uh, kind of have an fairly in-depth discussion of Skyfall on an upcoming podcast, two episodes from now, yeah. 469. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the same way in that. Right. There's all these little pieces that are like, oh, this location was used in this movie, mm-hmm. and that was there. And so if you're a really hardcore Bond fan, you understand that. Exactly. Same way with the, the games in Wreck-It Ralph. And, you know, for my son, he could give two craps about right. the Pac-Man reference or anything else. So I think you can achieve a nice balance between yeah. giving these little shout outs um, to fans without watering down or ruining your story and having MacGyver appear in the movie. I don't, you know, Richard Dean Anderson appear in the MacGyver movie. I don't think is going to be such a huge distraction. In fact, um, you know, Sean Connery is retired, but they really, really, really wanted to get Sean Connery to come back and play um, the, uh, the groundskeeper. In the Skyfall movie. Really? Yeah. That would have been interesting. But he, of course, hasn't done any movies since uh, yeah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. But That would have been a huge problem, though. Because it's it's not the same thing that we're talking about. I mean, throwing in that thing and saying, here, fans, this is, you know, this is us loving you. And bringing the fans in is not the same as saying, fans, we know you love Richard Dean Anderson, so we're going to chuck you some Richard Dean Anderson but he's not MacGyver anymore, so just get over yourself. I mean, it's it's a it really is a difficult balance, and especially when it's something where MacGyver is not the same as James Bond. James Bond is a huge property, and James Bond is bigger even than you know Sean Connery. But MacGyver, for many people, for most people, is going to be Richard Dean Anderson with big hair. 
I think you gotta you you gotta take into account your your audience. Stan Lee is not Spider Man. If they had had I don't know Nicholas Hammond in there being something else, or here's something. Let's say Stephen the new the new Justice League story comes out right. It's a new Justice League cartoon, and they've got Batman in it, and Batman is voiced by Lowell from Wings. But it's okay because Kevin Conroy is there, and he's going to do the voice of Alfred. Is and that a good problem? thing or a bad thing? What's the problem? They had Diedrich Bader do the voice of Batman, and I loved it. Diedrich Bader was awesome, but they didn't have Kevin Conroy doing something well, else. But just because Diedrich Kevin Bader Conroy's not in there doesn't make it sucky. And actually, if Con- in fact, but I'm I think, not saying that. I think Kevin Conroy actually did do a voice in. Uh, he did. He was the Batman of Planet X. Yeah, so I kind of shot myself worked, in the foot. Worked kind of fine. But here's the thing: if you really love MacGyver and you love Richard Dean Anderson. Is it going to be more divisive to have Richard Dean Anderson in there as someone else? I see I what you're saying. I think I think, I think what Matthew's saying is that it might be a slap in the face to say, right. you Could know be. what? Hey, guys who like MacGyver, this guy's not MacGyver anymore. His new name is Mutt Williams, and this is what the <laughs> movies are going to be about from here on out. Could could very well be. Ooh. Could very well be that way. You brought it home to Steven's wheelhouse. Well done. All right, everybody, the, we've talked enough about this. Head over to Majorspoilers.com, share your thoughts on the MacGyver movie. Uh, a lot of bit of talk, no date uh, announced on the release or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I would imagine 2014. Go for Never. that. Never. Yeah. It's not going to happen. All this right. Theoretical stuff. What's the matter, Matthew? Oh, I don't think MacGyver the movie's ever going to happen. Why is that? <laughs> I don't. Well, then I, I don't think that any of the movie stories are ever going to happen because nine out of ten times when they say, hey, they're going to make a movie about X, they either don't make it or it stars Johnny Depp. Well, that's because he's a really obscure character from Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a uh, quick break, and when we come back, we will get to some reviews. How to get a major spoiler shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout-out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Thank you, everyone, who uh, has donated to the cause. We really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. That's all I'll say right there. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And let's get to some reviews. Review MacGyver. So we will go back a week. And Matthew picked up a book from Valiant Entertainment. Shadow Man number one. Yep. Unlike most of the people on the podcast, I was alive and or reading comics at the point in time that the original Valiant Comics was doing their thing circa 1993. And um, Shadow Man, in its original incarnation, was at one point my favorite series from Valiant. And then about four issues later, I hated it and never came back. And I always kind of regretted that up to a point, you know, my collection had five, ten issues of Shadow Man, and there were like 60, but never enough to go back and redo it. So I was always very interested in seeing 
when you know when they said they were going to relaunch Shadow Man, what's it going to be like? What are they going to do? Am I going to love it? Am I going to hate it? Shadow Man number one came out last week, and I will say two things. First of all, artistically, it's pretty stunning. The very first panel of the very first page has this incredibly complicated stained glass window, which I'm sure is plot related because there's way too much imagery involved in it just floating around in the background. But uh, Shadow Man has always been historically the story of a guy who was a saxophone player who was also, you know, possessed by this arcane force from beyond. Now, when it seemed like it was an accident at the beginning of the series, I thought it was really, really awesome. Eventually, it turned out it was blah, 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 fish cakes, and everything was some, some sort of predestination. But in any case, um, this issue, I'm going to say right off the top, is actually really good. The things that I really enjoy about it, I like the art. I like the references to the previous continuity without having to force it down my neck. Because that previous continuity is always going to be there, and you're going to kind of go, wait, Richard Dean Anderson is MacGyver. But it's okay, because they do it really well in this story. We see the origins of the new character. I believe his name used to be Jack Boniface. I'm not sure if that's his name here, too. He kind of tells somebody that it is, but it's also one of those dark and gritty moments where he may be lying. And fascinatingly for me, and this is my little moment, Halfway through the book, we see a man who collects exotic masks, and one of the masks on the wall is the original Shadow Man mask from the Valiant VH1 version of the character. So, you know, that kind of makes me vaguely happy. But Jack turns out to, you know, get involved in this mystery. He ends up going out into the swamps and blah, 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 fish cakes. It's very moody, very well drawn. I'm enjoying most of the revamp stuff. I'm really, really disgusted by the new and improved Master Dark, which is really kind of gross. Overall, I'm going to go with four, tentatively, four slices of meatloaf for Shadow Man number one. I want to see if there's more going on before I say that this is pretty awesome. But just as a single issue, as a debut, it's pretty good. It's very interesting. I'm liking the new take from Valiant. I'm, I'm, this is another one that I'm kind of impressed with. Uh, they have yet to hit one where I'm completely disinterested, even though I'm not really an Exo Man of War fan. So four slices of meatloaf for Shadow Man number one. I would check it out if I was you. All right. Uh, Zach. Yes. Mind Management number zero came out last week. No. This week? No. Next, Next week. week. Oh, uh, so you're going way ahead. The then we're gonna we're gonna pass we're gonna pass on you then. Oh, you we'll don't get a review this get, week. I was getting in my review stance. No, just hold on. Okay. We're gonna try to do these in order that they're released. Well, that makes sense. So this week Mm -hmm. from IDW Publishing is the uh, Star Trek Doctor Who Assimilation number seven. Assimilation squared. You know, you don't really even have to uh, have read anything. You know, I read the first issue. I I think I read the first and second issue. Or was it the first and third? One of them, Matthew and I did a dueling. Well, I'm pretty sure we we did a dueling review of issue three, so I hope you... Oh, okay. So, yeah, the first and third issue, and now the seventh issue. And, oh, my God, I can't believe this series is still going. Or, actually, I can believe that this series is still going, seven issues, because talky, 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 talky. There's more talking going on in this issue than there ever is in a single issue of Doctor Who or Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, they spend three or four pages. And I understand that there may be some Doctor Who fans 
that don't know what a Star Trek is. And there right. may some, be some Star Trek people that don't know what a Doctor Who is. Right. But they go into pages and pages and pages of how, oh, we were at the point of time where the Borg kidnapped Captain Picard and turned him into Locutus. And then this happened. Da, 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 da. And they go on for two pages talking about events that most people are familiar with even tangentially. Mm-hmm. Or to the point where you don't even have to go into yeah, it huge matter. detail. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. You know, we're at the point in time when the Borg had captured Captain Picard, 11,000 people died, and we can't do anything about it. I'm sorry, the pawns. Are we Are we at that point in time when Picard gets that awesome jacket? We are no, in... this is before that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, then, of course, you've got the whole, wait a minute, your box is bigger on the inside than the outside. <laughs> and oh my gosh, let's walk around the Borg cube. And now we're on the cyber uh, ships, the Cybermen ships. And it just... There's too much talking in this, this book. There's too much explaining for people who don't know what's going on. And quite frankly, the target audience for this ought to know what's going on. This is not a casual reader book, mm-hmm. right? This is not something that right, I just right. hand off to Zach and say, here's Zach, start reading. And oh, by the way, they explain everything in there because chances are Zach doesn't know what a Star Trek or a Doctor Who is. Right. And so... Zach He's going to pass. Zach did go see the um, the new Star Trek movie on his fourth birthday. <laughs> it did take him to see that. Now, you know, trip. this is a uh-huh. book that's targeted towards Matthew, targeted towards Until me. Until Zach started crying. To an extent, I would say, uh, Rodrigo, you could pick up this book and know exactly what's going on. I, sure, you know, sure. now that you're re-watching all the Star Treks from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're... I don't know. They're, they just over explain everything to the point where it's not fun. And I really feel that they could have, this could have been a six issue series instead of what I feel like is heading to a 12 issue series. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it eight? Ugh. Yeah. It says on the cover. Well, uh, it is, you know what I would have done if they had, uh, given me doctor who and star Trek. What's to, that? To write. I would have made a thing where doctor who, or the Doctor, like the TARDIS and the Enterprise get caught in this time loop, right? So you end up with, like, the current Doctor, because you got to have the current Doctor, and at least two other incarnations of the Doctor. And this series there. has that. And then I would have uh, Leonard Nimoy Spock and Zachary Quinto Spock. Yeah. Now, they don't have that. Um, and then um, uh, possibly, yeah, and, and basically have every captain of every yeah. Star Trek get, thing. Get so. Richard Dean Anderson and Kurt Russell in there. Yeah, and uh, Cisco and yeah. Janeway, Janeway and Scott Bakula, yeah. whatever his character's yeah. name was. Captain yeah. and then And then on top of that, have uh, was it Sam? No, Sam was the hologram. Right. Have the, the guy from Quantum Leap there be there go. too. There and he go. takes over Spock, Zachary Quinto. There you go. Well, they do have multiple incarnations oh, of the Doctor that appear via flashback. So you get to right. see Fourth Doctor and Captain Kirk uh, fight Cybermen. I think that was, so that must have been issue two issue or three. Four. Yeah. Um, so you have read more than just two issues. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I think you've read all the issues and you just don't remember. <laughs> no, 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 you no, no. I out. well, and that's a good, that's a good, probably a good thing too because I didn't like the art in this issue either. Mm-hmm. I've never liked the art from the beginning. Uh, it it feels like someone has just taken reference photographs and painted those, uh, and it just looks odd. You know, it's kind of like the time that you know. Imagine this: the time that the doctor saw a um, saw Davros. Mm-hmm. 
but instead he's reacting to something Picard has said, and right. that's the way it's painted. It's and it's Picard all looks like Devros. It's all clearly just uh, taken from headshots from yeah, cons. Yeah, yeah basically. I, I'm I, I'm disappointed in this series. To be mm. quite honest, I I don't think this is really if you're star if you're a super Star Trek fan, um, I think or and a super uh, Doctor Who fan, I think you might get some enjoyment out of it because the premise is a good one. You know, the Cybermen have come, they formed an alliance with the Borg, and then they rewrote the Borg code, and now they have taken over the Borg, and the Doctor and the Enterprise crew must work together to free the Borg, work in mm-hmm. in uh, on the side of the Borg to try to break them free of the Cybermen control. That's a good so idea. So it's a good idea. It's a four-issue idea. Mm-hmm. So... Is there was there some kind of machine that transmogrified people into itself in Legion of Superheroes? In what way? Or are you talking about creating the uh the monsters? Yeah. Like basically the Borg and the Cybermen are the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cyborg men, yeah. Is there any kind of cyborg race in Legion of Superheroes? I don't know. That that eats other yeah. things. Yeah, there's the blight. Right. All right. So but you, the blight were clearly created uh, as an answer to the Borg. Right. So you have. You should just. They should yeah, have just combined be, everything. Yeah. Get the Legion and get the like the X Men like, in there. Yeah. Throw the Phalanx throw the into it. I, I actually the phalanx, like the uh, make it Computo. Computo the Star Trek. I like the Star Trek Legion of Superheroes crossover. That there one was go. very well done. Um, really? I, I thought, thought so. I liked it. I I really enjoyed the heck out of that. Um, what's that? Everybody has their own thing, I guess. Yep, yeah. they certainly do, and there's nothing Mileage wrong with that. Uh, so really, this is about a two slices of meatloaf book for me. Not, I, I just, if you want to read it, go right ahead. There's, there's nothing wrong with it, but I just don't think that it, in the grand scheme of things, I think they could have done it a little bit better. All right, so now let's take a look at next week, and now we can go to Zach. Yes. And mind management number zero. Yes. Mind the spoilers. Right. Well... Here's the deal. Um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to review for the show, and I was going through all the review copies, and I was like, oh, I'll see what Dark Horse sent us out. And I had heard a lot about this mind management series over the last couple months, mm-hmm. and I hadn't picked it up yet. And so I was like, issue zero, let's see what it is. And so it's like three quick vignettes of a story, which apparently you were actually released only through the Dark Horse digital store oh, okay. before mm. the series started. Okay. But now it's coming to print. Okay. And now... And that, there's, I mean, that's, about it. that's not new. There's a lot of companies that are right. doing digital-only first mm-hmm. um, initiatives. Yeah, and DC then if, does the, that. Yeah. If, if the series hits, they'll release all that stuff. Right, yeah. Right. And I think they might have also been in Dark Horse Presents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes probably. sense. Yeah. Um, but there, if you have read them, apparently... There's always initiatives in this series. Uh, in the first six issues, actually pick up physical copies because the inside story was the same, but the back uh, cover he was a fake ad. And in all of them, he put them together. Eventually, you put them together, and you got more information of the story oh, at the very nice. end. And oh, so cool. that just came. You know, I've... the last issue just came out last month. Mm-hmm. So like, eventually, I read through this issue and I loved it. And with the and the three different stories tell you. They give you like an overview of what this mind management organization is in this psychic kind of warfare 
sleeper agent stuff that's going on that you find in the first six issues. And it was really interesting. So I started, I was at a long, boring day at work and I started buying all these issues and I read through all six issues a day. But when you buy one, it says, note, this is not the ending back page. It's not in the digital. It's only for physical people that read it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's only for real people. Yeah. For real people that go to stores and stuff. Um, Hey, I have a store. Yeah, you do. I go there every week. <laughs> I don't. Um, so no, I because think if you don't have a store, that's true. Uh, if you've heard a lot about mind management, and you probably have, if you enjoy comics, um, this would be a really good place to start out. Um, you'll get a feel for the art style, which is uh, great. There's, uh, it's like watercolored backgrounds, mm-hmm. and all the coloring is like watercolor, and the lines are just just beautiful. Um, the storytelling is weirdly sometimes violent, but it's always compelling in this weird, like mind trippy way. You don't quite know what's always going on. And there's always stuff lurking in the back, even in these quick stories. And it'll introduce you to the, uh, main character you'll see throughout the, uh, actual series and is a a this is a fun zero issue i enjoy it it's uh was probably better than every zero issue i read from dc <laughs> um <laughs> it actually sets it up uh the series very well and you should check this out and then you'll probably immediately want to go start buying the next six issues which are all already available for you wherever you like to buy your comics and Mind management number zero, four stars. All right, it's good. cool. It's good comic. Fun. So now you're hooked on the series. Oh yeah, I will be. Like I didn't even read the review copies. I was buying everything. I was like nah 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 nah, and I'm gonna reread. Oh, so you it, don't you don't want to review this <laughs> issue number seven that I have sitting over here? You don't have it. I do. What? Yeah. Oh, give it give to me. It, Holy give crap! It right now. You said you didn't want to read it. You said you didn't want to read. No. Well, I didn't want to read the review copies. I'll read the review copies. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, please let me have it. It's oh, so good. Oh, oh, I finished the sixth <laughs> issue like like 45 minutes before I came over today, and I finished it. I wanted to go back to issue one, but I have a road trip, and I'm going to read it, the all the issues again. It is and amazing. by road trip, he means he's going to be sitting on a giant boat in the middle of the ocean, well, I drinking to, margaritas well, and I laughing to, at all I of us. I have to so. drive to Denver and then fly to L.A. before I can do that, so oh, there's okay. some reading involved. Okay. But yeah, the ship and margaritas is totally happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we know how Zach spends his holidays. Uh, so, Boosh. also next week, let's uh, get this to might, Rodrigo. This might be like two weeks from now. This no, is November no. 21st. Yeah, the right. release date was on this yep, one. Yep, yep, yep. That's eight days from Come now. back number one. Come back number one. Come back. Come back. Shoot. Make it so. Wow. Yeah, that's one it's of the a, only Western movies a, that I love. Yeah, where Riker is, is <laughs> walking uh, off. Yeah, yes, R- Riker. Come back, off. number one. Come back. Anyway, come Mr. back, Wolf number Fire. one. By, I believe this is a Dark Horse. No, this is an Image comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this book is about these guys who kidnap people. But they kidnap people because their families are like, you need to kidnap this person in the past so that they don't die, is the premise. Oh, time travel. Yes. 
Did you ever watch that thing, that movie with Chris Christopherson? Yes, Millennium. Yes. <laughs> okay, the it's like event? it's like that except good. Convoy. <laughs> I mean, it is it is that kind of that same idea of going back so in time. So at the moment of their death, yeah, you snatch them. You snatch them, and really, what they end up doing is instead of doing that, they snatch them beforehand and then fake the death. Right. 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 And people pay them a lot of money to do that. That's a cool concept. It it is a good concept. This is not a huge spoiler. It's actually in the description. Right, right. So you going in, you have you you can know that that's happening. Um, In this issue, really very little happens except a little bit of character development, and it's it works really well. There's you see an accident happen. You see somebody be very reluctant. About the situation, like what, like a mark or a you know a client be very reluctant about things, right? Um, and you see one of the agents go, like, take a big drag from a cigarette and be like, "Well, this is gonna be my last mission, and I'm gonna retire." Oh, and that's all we know. Yes. So there's is there a big hook? Is there a big uh, cliffhanger uh, at no. the end? Yes. Where there... suddenly he realizes he has to rescue himself. No, there. The it's not really a cliffhanger, more of a um like what am I looking at kind mm-hmm. of thing and like hoping that they will explain it later kind of thing. I mean it it's it's it was really compelling. It was like I was surprised at how very decent it was. I really like the design of the covers and of the like accompanying materials kind of like the book itself is very straightforward the art is good it's solid there's no real problem with it but i really like the design of um all the stuff that goes with the book uh both the kind of to a certain degree the technology that is used but also you know the stuff in the cover the color usage and all that stuff Mm -hmm. like i i was kind of hooked initially by that when i saw the cover i was like that looks really cool that guy looks like david Tennant. Yeah, he kind of does. As I look at this, it reminds me a lot. If you hadn't said image, I would have said, oh, this is a Boom Studios title because it looks just like some of the stuff that they were doing about three years ago. Yeah, it it does have kind of a left on mission feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which is, you know, which is what it's going for. I mean, these guys are agents. They have a job Mm -hmm. to do. They Mm -hmm. pretty much operate outside of the law. They're doing, you know, things that would be illegal probably if people (laughs) knew about them. But they exist in such a weird, nebulous area. You know, it's got it's got a little bit of a rassle feel, except not as wacky. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff going on here, and it's all synthesized pretty well. So I'm going to give this uh, three and a half slices of meatloaf. It's definitely worth checking out. First issue, get it on the ground floor. Let's see where this goes. Comes out next week from Image Comics. Sir, yep. are you on for issue two? Oh, yeah, definitely. And then from there, you'll decide after. Yeah, we'll see. We'll figure it out. You'll, I'm, go, on a, I'm, you'll go on an issue-by-issue issue basis. Yeah. I'm the sort of person who will drop something on an issue-by-issue issue basis. I, I know a lot of people, and that's fine if you do, will be like, I'll give this three more issues, or I'll give this, you know, I'll, I'll see the end of this arc through mm-hmm. and see what happens. If I stop liking it, I'm like, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even if it had a great turnaround at the end? Um, Afterwards, sometimes people are like, oh, man, you should have stuck with it. It was pretty great. And then I'm like, well, I'll just pick up the trade and i mean it really doesn't bother me to have the first three issues and then the trade yeah, yeah, yeah. with you know four or i've done that before. yeah i mean it, it, it i'm not a collector in any of any sort so i'm just like meh cool all right there you go listeners a bunch of reviews for your enjoyment and 
You can head over to Majorspoilers.com where there are a lot of other reviews from all of our other readers, titles that they've selected and picked out and said, hey, I want to review this book this week. And so they have. <laughs> For your so enjoyment. it is written and so, <laughs> so it, it shall, shall be. be. I have reviewed She-Hulk in accordance with the prophecy. And while you're over at Majorspoilers.com, if you want to help us out, click on that Amazon.com link. Black Friday is almost here, and people are going to be buying, buying, buying. <laughs> so why not buy through the Amazon store? Save yourself all the hassle of having to go wait in line at 2 a.m. in the freezing sleet, um, only to it be pushed around and jarred around and... Not getting the deals you want. Mm-hmm. Just buy at Amazon. Have to get up like super early. Super early. Yeah, no Some people don't do even that. go to sleep. Yeah, they just go crazy. right from their Thanksgiving tryptophan uh, oh, coma right to the. They just uh, roll you right there in the cart in front of the store and leave yeah. you there. It's such a scam. Black Friday is like the world's biggest prank at college. So, so I what Matthew is? What I'm really hearing Matthew <laughs> say is. Hey, don't go to Amazon.com and don't support the major spoilers by buying on Black Friday. So, no, I'm you know, you can go to Amazon. Major spoilers every day. You can go to Amazon. You can buy some but stuff. Matthew, a little bit goes Matthew, to the company. Matthew is saying he doesn't need a holiday to support, to support you, major baby. <laughs> you know, like, why do I have to get you a card on fe- in February? You know, I love you all year, baby. <laughs> Amazon.com, we appreciate everyone's support. It really does help us out. And now that reviews are done, we can get to something more pressing. Uh, pressing. Seriously, it's time. What time? It's that time again! For the major spoilers poll of the week. Oh, that time. This time time. with extra cleavage. So, uh, our good friend Silver Gray wrote in and asked, hey... What makes a good superhero, or why do you want to read a superhero? And he gave us a list of items uh, that he thought might be a trigger, and he admits that there's probably more than on this list. But is it the their powers of the character? Is it their backstory? Is it their current circumstances? Is it their look or costume? Is it their intelligence level? Is it their allegiances or their belief systems? Is it their gender, or is it even their significant other? I suppose if you're a big... Uh, Hawkeye, Black Widow fan, maybe you get into one of those series because one of them makes an appearance, you know, that kind of thing. I think is what he's getting at. Kind of cross-promotion kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, Matthew, what uh, what attracts you to a good superhero or what makes a good superhero? Well, the problem that I have with this question is that it, it, it seems to imply that a superhero is different than any other character. Um, saying what makes a good superhero is kind of like saying what makes a good comic book movie? And that's going to be all in the eye of the beholder. So I actually chose none of the above because partly hmm. I'm a douche. Interesting. And not partly, one of the selections. Not one of the selections. Partly because what makes a good superhero is what makes any character good. And that to me is a synthesis of these elements or some of these elements. The thing is a great character who looks ridiculous. He talks in a way that is entirely the thing. You can't write a parody of the thing's dialogue without sounding like the real thing. But when the thing is done badly, the thing is bad and horrible and awful. And a really good superhero or any really good character, you can take and you can tweak their backstory. You can futz with their powers. You can change their circumstances. You can change their suit. Spider-Man has, what, nine costumes? 
it's all about what the character brings to the table that's unique and what's balanced. And since none of these really addressed what I would think makes a good character, for lack of a better word, I couldn't really vote this week. So if I had to pick one of the things on this list, I would probably go with allegiance forward slash beliefs because it's the closest to that kind of undefinable something that makes a character like Spider-Man, that makes a character like Herbie Fat Fury really stick out in my mind. Plus, you know, Block is awesome. Rodrigo? Um, well, let's see. I think that kind of, um, out like in a way, you know, Matthew's saying that none of these things individually necessarily matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that each of this thing, these things can individually give you a great superhero, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, you know, you look at something like, and, and I'm sorry if you, if you guys like this, but you know, when I saw the first issue of Haunt, mm-hmm. I was like, this is clearly just Spider-Man. Right. This is a Spider-Man ripoff. Right. It was Spider-Spawn. Right, Spider-Spawn. Right. And I'm like, I kind of don't care what this guy's about because I've seen Spider-Man's powers and I've seen Spawn's powers already. I don't care. And right. that, In that sense, I could have flipped through it and said, holy crap, this guy has a great costume a great set of beliefs, he's a well-written character, but I was turned off by the fact that they were powers that I had already seen. So mm-hmm. in a way, new powers, clever ways of using powers can do it. It's the same thing with the costume. Sometimes you look at a character and say, I've seen this before. Right, right, right. Um, but I will agree with Matthew that in the end, it's kind of the the most important thing is how the character's written. Um, right. You can only get around on super cool powers for so long. Um if you if you were like a golden age character, then it was like super long. But still, eventually you have to like stop and and, and figure things because because they just keep giving you more powers too. Um, so I'm probably going to go with either I would probably say current circumstances because it, in the end it is going to be like that story that you and by current circumstances I mean whatever their current circumstances are at any given point. Right, right, right. Because it's always going to be you know. To a certain degree, what is it that makes them fight? Why are they fighting this character? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be, you can say that's their allegiance to a certain degree, but it's also going to be, what is their life like? What are they life? And those current circumstances are kind of what's going to make it. And what makes, you know, your 1970s Spider-Man different from your 1990s Spider-Man, from your 2000s Spider-Man and how, and how he makes decisions. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man might be a bad choice, though. But I mean, I mean, no, it's it's true. Sometimes when you know when Spider Man is married, he might make a certain ch- set of decisions. When Spider Man's in college, he might make a certain uh, mm-hmm. decisions. When he is living in a strange alternate dimension where his girlfriend is at a quantum state of existing, he might make different decisions. Okay, Zach. Um. Yeah. I mean, I had a problem. I was torn. I wanted to actually answer the poll and figure out which one I liked more what I thought more, and I ended up kind of going back and forth between powers and beliefs, mm-hmm. and because I was just thinking about superheroes that I specifically like, like Spider-Man and Batman, and ones that I don't, and why I didn't like them, and I think it came down to not a huge power set, is what I eventually, like, mm-hmm. Superman, I don't know what it is, I can't think about why I don't like Spider uh, Superman, 
but I just I'm I've never have any desire to like oh Superman comic I should read that right 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 but I don't know what it is I figured I thought maybe maybe it's just his powers are too too much too much for me mm-hmm. because I mean a backstory if you look at Superman and Batman and Spider Man they all lost parents so that one right, kind of right. throws yeah, it out why I would like that one right 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 and um so yeah I kind of go down with powers because what I liked and yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, that's what I answered this week in the poll. Yeah, I went, powers. I, I went with powers because, again, a writer can take a character and do a million different things with it. An artist can take a character and do a million different things with it. But when you come up to me and say, here's a here's a new character, and he generates uh, all these fantastical things with light from his ring. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty cool thing, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just from his thought. He concentrates and he generates a giant tennis racket to bang the bad guys. Yeah, tennis racket. Or here's a guy that got bit by a spider, and now he has the proportional strength of of a spider, and he spins webs and catches thieves just like flies. That's pretty cool. Or here's a man that can fly and and has Uh, x-ray vision. A a grizzled old wizard taught me a magic acronym. Yes. Yes. And and sometimes people confuse me with what my name really is. Zweeback. So, you know, to me, it's it's the powers that what I think make a, a real interesting superhero and makes one that I want to read. Oh, and, and sometimes, you know, and it's not just superpowers. It's labeled as powers because right. powers could be I've got the power to shoot the uh, the uh, wings off of a flea at right, uh, right. 500 yards with my arrow. Or, or if you watch a, a lot of the shows on PBS, you've got the power to, to read. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Green Lantern is a really good point because I think just the concept of Green Lantern and mm-hmm. how, what it's all about mm-hmm. is sometimes more interesting to me than what's actually happening yeah. in the comic. And so I think yeah. for me it's the initial hook of the powers. Yeah. And then as you start to read the character, then you're like, well, what happened to Hal Jordan, or wh- why is Spider-Man always such a a, a mopey mope? Well, or um, why is you know this, and then so so you start to develop their uh-huh. backstory, and then that eventually leads to a core belief system of this character, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. So yeah, and that's a good point in that you very frequently in in comic book superheroes see them changing their worldview, their beliefs, even the person that they are. Right, but it's actually much more rare for their powers to change drastically yeah now you can make an argument that you know when sometimes when you go from like one major iteration like you know if you go from that ghost rider that was literally a ghost of a biker <laughs> right 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 to you know current ghost rider who basically has all the powers of a king and all the powers of superman nicholas mm-hmm. cage ghost yeah. rider um, fire <laughs> right exactly <laughs> you know you, you can you can argue that there was a major major shift there but it was much more gradual, and in the end, the thing that matters is super cool ghost guy on a fire motorcycle. Right. Right, like that's his thing. Right. So I can really, I actually, you guys make a really good point for powers, because for superheroes specifically, that is kind of the core of their power. And from a, you know, a, 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 an artistic writing perspective, it kind of shouldn't be, but right. it really works, and it's kind of what well, has kept the all gimmick. these characters alive. Yeah. I mean, that's the gimmick. I mean, you, you, no one's going to read 75 80 years worth of this schlub reporter mm-hmm. who bounces from one situation to another while he's covering the rise and fall of Lex Luthor nobody's right, going right, to read about right. that but suddenly he's got a secret identity because he's from another planet and has these powers right. far beyond those of mortal men um suddenly people are like oh this is kind of interesting or you have 
uh, you were tragically injured in an accident and you're blind and all of a sudden your senses have been heightened and you can see, but people still think you're blind. And that's mm-hmm. that gimmick. That's that mm-hmm. hook for you then to develop and build off of. You're right. Power shouldn't be it, but you're going to have to have something but that they totally sets, are. Yeah, you, but they totally set that character apart from everyone else mm-hmm. until that char- that superpower becomes a trope and then everyone else starts building their right, version right, of Superman, their right. version of Batman, their version of, mm-hmm. you know, Captain Amazing. Right. So, Matthew, how did the rest of the major spoilers nation vote this week? Well, I can't tell you because I forgot to. No, <laughs> see, you can't see it if you don't vote. 182 people right now. The whopping, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, majority. The more people, 38 percent voting backstory, mm-hmm. followed up by 22 percent saying allegiance slash beliefs and. Powers, uh, circumstances, and significant other is very, very low. I think it's interesting that a lot of the the things that people are talking about in terms of backstory and beliefs mm-hmm. specifically are things that have been added to the character after the fact or longer oh, sure, down the sure. line. So, I you mean, know, that to me is fascinating. Yeah, I mean, these, these guys grow, and sometimes, you know, uh, we've seen that basically with every major superhero where it gets to a point where they just click and everybody... Like even subconsciously, everybody's like, "This is what this character is. This is what um, Spider-Man is supposed to be like," and that's why they keep trying so hard to get Spider-Man back to being a, right. a, a schmucky college kid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Even though he's had all this time, you know, it's like, um, what's another example? It's, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think that, for example, yes, running around and yelling "Sweet Christmas" and beating people over the head was good for Power Man, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm. I think that he has grown since then, and he has grown into something a little bit more interesting. So in the future, I wouldn't be surprised to see more modern takes on that character as we move forward. Well, and I think that if you're writing the character and if you do take all their history into account, mm-hmm. even if you're just a Dan slot and you're on it for 100 issues, right? Mm-hmm. you should evolve the character, right? Yeah. right? I mean, that's that's natural. I mean, who I am now is not who I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago and same way with all of us. So a character I think can do those changes. They can, but there's going to be a lot of resistance to that depending on how old the character is. Right. A wonder woman is another example where, you know, obviously her origins are really particular. And then for most of her life, she's been a pretty straightforward, basically super man lady. Right. right. Um, And then at some point somebody was like, well, she should be like, she should like not know things because she's from like a secret island somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, boom, we get a lot of these versions of Wonder Woman where she's like really at odds with man's world, you know, and like there's there's tension there and it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that a whole lot more since, you know, and, and not so much of just like sitting there with her, uh, with her bustier yeah, and, with her, and, uh, with her fists on her hips, yeah, yeah. basically stopping traffic accidents and stuff i guess <laughs> making traffic or, or, yes all right listeners you can head over to majorspoilers.com you can comment on this you can cast your vote in fact you can comment on pretty much darn near everything at major spoilers we're going to take a quick break we're going to listen to cat uh, halo give us some thoughts on argo we come back a couple of questions uh, for anybody or matthew uh, we'll uh, find out what they are stick around Greetings and salutations, Major Spoilers. Cat Halo back again with a couple of thoughts on a couple of bits. This week I've seen one movie that is really worth noting. Argo. This 
is a really good movie. Not necessarily exceptional, but it is really good. The story is compelling, being that of the 1980 Iran hostage crisis, or at least a certain aspect of it. The script is well-crafted, managing to be both respectful, gripping, and other things too, like funny and importantly tense. The cast is quite great, and while Affleck is the star, he is not really the lead. This is an ensemble movie, and everybody does more than carry their weight. Everybody shines, particularly John Goodman and Alan Arkin. Michael Parks makes a very cool cameo as an unnamed artist by the name of Jack Kirby. But the main strength of this movie is the direction. Whatever you may think about him as an actor, Ben Affleck is proving to be a great director. The direction isn't flashy or showy-offy, but it is great. This movie is tense, really tense in places. But there are also some genuinely funny moments. And, as I already said, he gets great performance out of just about the entire cast. So, this is a really good movie, and well worth the look. There's also quite a few nods to comics and sci-fi littered throughout, which adds another level of fun to the viewing experience for the nerdily inclined. Um, on a personal note, I've just finished reading Zero Hour, and as you guys said last week, this is still a pretty darn bad book. But on the upside, it means I've moved on to Identity Crisis. And I'm really liking it. Haven't read it before. The art is great, and it's written in a very different way to the other comics that I'm used to. And while I do know how it ends, I'm still very much looking forward to the reveal. Um, on an aside, Wifey and I have just finished Season 7 of Supernatural. It's not the best, but it's still enjoyable and a real guilty pleasure. But she did try to read a couple of the comics and found them somewhat lacking, which got me wondering. What TV shows or movies have translated best or worst to the comic page, in your guys' opinion. And I'll leave it there. Um, as always, you can find me on the Twitter and on the Facebook, Cat Halo Movies. And check out the major spoilers forums just for Dillman. Take care, guys, and have a great week. Hello there, Mr. Schleicher, Mr. Lopez, young Zach Stevenson Snow, and, of course, Mr. Matthew Peterson. It is to you that I have this particular question. If anybody else happens to know... Well, this is a history question worth 500 points. I just finished watching The Avengers, uh, and I have a question about that. And I'm not talking about The Avengers movie. I'm referring to the cartoon that is on Sunday morning. They battled Galactus in this episode. And they had, this time they had multiple... Um, people show up, uh, you, you have Terax as a herald, you have Fire Lord, and a couple of others whom I'm uh, not familiar with, somebody having to do with lightning and somebody having to do with water. Now, with that being said, has it ever been that they have defeated Fantastic Four or anybody else? Have they ever defeated Galactus by sending him into the negative zone? Because in this particular case, with the combined minds of Reed Richards, Tony Stark, and uh, blah, 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 Yellow Jacket, blanking on his name, uh, Hank Pym, have they ever sent Galactus into the negative zone? Because according to what was going on in this particular episode, he was feeding off of what's anti-energy. And that was what was feeding him. He was somehow converting the Earth into anti-energy, which was then feeding him, blah, blah, blah. So they sent him into the negative zone. 
have they ever done that in the past? Has it ever been anything that has been brought up? Has it ever been brought up that he feeds on anti-energy at all? If you happen to know of anything with this regards, I would love to know. Thank you very much, sir. Hey, guys. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, my throat. Uh, it's Pierce calling from Vancouver, Canada. I just had a quick question for Matthew. Um, I listened to the October 19th podcast uh, where you very sort of vehemently um, were against the creation of more Peanuts comics uh, because the creator had explicitly said no more comics or no more comic strips. But I remember reading your before Watchmen Minutemen review where you said that, um, you know, corporate greed and creator's rights, very complex concepts, and you very much enjoyed that strip uh, or that comic and, you know, gave it a four and a half star review. I just wondered if you thought those two situations were different or if you wanted to clarify or anything. Um, thanks, as always, for all the hard work and uh, keep listening. Thanks. All right, here we go. In three, two. Thank you for all of those comments and question. First question, Matthew. Uh have the heroes who have fought Galactus, there's actually two questions there. The first one, have the heroes ever defeated Galactus by sending him to the negative zone? No. Has Galactus ever done something where he feeds off negative zone energy as opposed to positive zone energy? Not that I'm aware of. Pierce says, Matthew, a few weeks Hi. ago, you were against the uh, creation of the Peanuts characters, but... In oh, your Minutemen review, uh, he was against oh the new the uh, new Peanuts, comics, Peanuts being, comics. Being yeah, yeah. But you uh, you said that you like the Minutemen, or you said that uh, you you reviewed the Minutemen. I did. Is that a contradiction? Did you read my review of Minutemen? I did not. Rodrigo did. I did. Mm-hmm. Well, Pierce my did too. That's Minutemen. why he had the question. My review of Minutemen actually does name check whether it was necessary, and this is the thing. I mean. Reviewing something for major spoilers and agreeing that it needs to exist or thinking that it's something awesome are not necessarily the same thing. So, yeah, we actually had a similar discussion when uh, before Watchmen launched. It was less a discussion and more somebody throwing a rock through my metaphorical windshield and calling me a douchebag uh, for reviewing before Watchmen. Was it me? Yeah, <laughs> was it me? And what it really boiled down to was... Had, I don't necessarily think that more Peanuts should have been made. I don't necessarily think that more Before Watchmen is entirely necessary. I reviewed Before Watchmen. Um, Minutemen I kind of liked. Silk Spectre I kind of liked. Bits and pieces of it seem like they're okay. But I actually, I think I've said in every Minuteman review, or at least checked the idea that I don't know that it's entirely necessary. And in the very first review, I know that I at least addressed that there is controversy over whether morally DC should be able to do this. And what it really boils down to is the argument that Stephen and I had. They own the property. It's about their money. They have the legal right to do this. Morally speaking, I would say that, yes, the Before Watchmen project is very similar on a, on a similar slippery slope towards um, whether it's actually good, bad, or evil um, as Peanuts. So is that a contradiction? Well, allow me to respond um, uncharacteristically with a biblical quote. 
I am large, I uh, contain multitudes. Technically, I'm extra, extra, extra large. So, yeah, I think it may be kind of a contradiction, but again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gray area here. And, you know, Stephen and I talking for what, probably 20 minutes back and forth about the peanuts thing and really, mm-hmm. you know, having issues. When we got to that point, I think it's clear that there's a lot of gray area, a lot of nuance here. So the hard question to answer. The answer is yes and or no and or maybe. Well, thank you for all the comments this week to the Major Spoilers hotlines. And listeners, if you want to engage with us or be part of the Major Spoilers podcast, all you need to do is call the Major Spoilers hotline. Matthew, that number is? 785-727-1939. I'm pretty sure Galactus died and was eaten by Power Man and Spider-Man once. Hotline. Also, a big shout out to our friends at TweakedAudio.com. If you're looking for a new pair of headphones... You can head over to tweakedaudio.com, and when you check out, use the code MAJOR and get one-third off your off the price. So you can uh, get these now from anywhere from $12.95 to $27.95. Make a great little stocking stuffer or holiday nice. gift that you give to your holiday-specific friends. Your gifty Yes, whatever they are. Need to be gift gifting. recipient. <laughs> okay, recipient so here. this book that uh, that we reviewed this week, Once Upon a Time Machine, is a book that's actually been trying to find a publisher for a long time. Mm-hmm. A year ago, uh, these guys had contacted us and said, hey, can you give us some some play? We're trying to develop this. We're trying to build the story up. Um, we're looking for a publisher. And I think at one point they were thinking about going to Kickstarter to try to get this released as a true independent book. Uh, but Dark Horse stepped up and released this tome, 420-some pages in Once yeah. Upon a Time Machine. And the general jam. premise is, let's take classic fairy tales, mm-hmm. Pinocchio, Rapunzel, The Three Bears, which is my favorite, Goldilocks and The Three Bears was mm-hmm. my favorite story oh, in this book, um, and let's put it into some futuristic space, or some f- different kind of fantasy setting than what mm-hmm. uh, the Grimm's fairy tales so, may have uh, uh, so been I think generally you. a science fiction bent. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, to an extent, because... Well, I don't know. Some of them. Well, some of them, but those are the. I think some of them are like only very only tangentially. Try, yes, they're they're yeah, on, yeah. they're not trying very hard. Well, the tortoise to and not the be horror, magic. The, the, the tortoise. The tortoise and the horse. The tortoise and the hare story. The tortoise and the hare story was very much a um, you know somewhat sci-fi because you had the giant monsters and the giant right. robot yeah, that was and, cool and the racing. But there were so many others that were set kind of in that feudal Japan uh, setting that didn't seem or read very futuristic to me. Um, well, the, the, and I think like the art the, probably the peaches, like the yeah, one yeah, about the, the peaches of immortality. Right. Um, there were robot cows. So again, oh, yeah. it's like, okay, yeah. so, okay yeah. boom, we just, we're just going to get one sci-fi thing in here and then basically tell the story verbatim. Right, right, right. Yeah, like, a lot of them were like going to different, like, Link like different sci-fi movies go to different link even if like set in the same time period. Sounds like oh we're gonna be really advanced. Mm-hmm. Oh we're not. We'll have like robots here oh, and sure, there, sure. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's what it kind of felt like. There was never a set guideline of how far you needed to go. What's nice about this is they are taking these classic stories and updating them, I guess, to an extent, mm-hmm. um, to make them maybe a little bit more accessible to maybe a modern reader. I mean, I've got somewhere on the shelf over there, Zach. I've got the complete Grim Fairy Tales. It's got a green spine. Uh, big thick. Yep, that's it right there. Oddly enough, so do I. <laughs> and uh, that's a big at. thick book, and it's got you know all the grim fairy tales in there. Um, and it's a lot to read. And some of the stories are very short. Some of them are a page or two. 
uh, just like what we see here in uh, Once Upon a Time Machine, where you see all of these stories told in about, I don't know, there's a, I don't know if it's the tortoise and the hare story is the longest one. There's one in there that goes on for about 10 or 12 pages. There's a... Oh, which one is it? The yeah, Five Billy Sons. Goat's gruff is pretty, oh yeah, yeah Billy Goat's Gruff is pretty long, yeah. and the Five Sons one is pretty long yeah, yeah, towards yeah. the end. Yeah, um, but most of them are five, six pages. Yeah, tops, I think. And you get a variety of different artists uh, mm-hmm. coming in and and sharing their craft uh, in helping to convey these stories forward. So, I think I've already mentioned my favorite one was Goldilocks and the Three Bears, where right. she's, you know, we know the story. She goes in, oh, this is too hard. This is too soft. This is too big. This is too small. This is too hot. This is too cold. This is just right. And finally, uh, these aliens come in and they grab her and they don't understand what she's saying because they're two different species. Mm-hmm. And she's brought before the court and they don't understand her. And the, and the punchline is, she's eating our babies. Or yeah. she's right. eating my right. cousin. Instead of the one who drank my child. Yeah, 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 yeah. Instead, of, instead of like alien bears coming in it's like right, right. the aliens were the porridge right mm-hmm. right right and uh and in and, and soviet russia porridge yeah. eats you it, it was just really <laughs> so well done i like and the art style was really good really lively in fact the art through it is is fantastic yeah. the other one is the opening story the thousand and one um tales uh where the girl's last name is zahad and her first name is Sherry, so Shaharizad, uh, and she is resurrecting this comic book publisher that's about to go out of business. So I, I don't know. There's something, I think, something in there for everyone uh, as far as a story to find. Rodrigo, did you have a favorite story? Um, Either from the art-wise or from the, from I, the tale-wise? I like, wise? I like the art uh, and kind of the design of, the, of Ricky Tiki Tabby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That, I, was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was really cool. As a story itself, and I mean, and you could argue that this is also kind of the case for the original, mm-hmm. but it is just kind of like Ricky Tiki Tavi fights a snake is right. kind of the the idea. Right. So there's not much to it, but I did I did really enjoy the way that, that looked, and I think with a lot of these, the because there's so many artists and so many different things, you kind of have to uh, pick what you like about a story and go with it because it is. A huge grab bag. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just yeah. so much going on here. I mean, this is a true anthology yeah. book. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh yeah. When oh, we talk about wonderful. taking stuff from every everywhere and smashing it together and just letting it yeah. letting it live together between the cover, uh, that's there's really kind of where we Rose's end up with. Quote in this book. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the thing where I'm just like doop de doop de doop. I'm reading this. I'm reading the Guns and Roses. Doop de doop. There's something really wonderful about not having the slightest idea what's coming next. Yeah, I, the Pinocchio story kind of stands out too. In that, here's this little the Pinocchio one is my favorite. Go ahead and give us the the the, the recap yeah, yeah, yeah. of Pinocchio. So uh, Pinocchio this time he like is in essentially like an AI, right? Where uh, he's created and he the doctor makes him give him a name instead of just calling him by what his hardware sign is and eventually like Pinocchio is allowed to come into other people's houses essentially and will help them like scour the internet and look up for facts and then he has to come to terms with people start hating him because he gives them information that they do not want to hear like the little <laughs> girl's dad dies yeah, Pinocchio <laughs> is essentially WebMD it's like yeah. oh yeah. my gosh I mean, I've got a, I've got a, a cough engine is what he yeah. Is. Yeah. I, I've got a cough and then you go to WebMD and say what is this cough that I've had mm. you've got cancer you've, you've got, got can- two days to die yeah. well but the thing is in in the story he's actually accurate like right, Pinocchio right, right. is like a super advanced AI right. so he can just 
like there's there's that scene after he um yeah talks about a, the af- yeah after he's becomes upset about yeah. you know people not liking him this lady gives her him her symptoms and her family history and he determines that the most likely thing is that she's got like cancer and like her lymph nodes or yeah, something yeah. and he's like yeah. probably just migraines yeah, yeah right right yeah. because he wants people to like and right, so that corrupts right. his programming and then eventually he has to be shut down and upgraded. And of course, every time I he lies, story of Napoleon. he tweaks. He, yeah, he starts tweaks. tweaks and, yeah. You know, instead yeah. of growing the nose, he just starts yeah, morphing, yeah. changing. The uh, that one, story-wise, that was my favorite. Yeah, that one was really strong. That was a really good adaptation where, like, all of the points got adapted pretty well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, not from the original Pinocchio, because in yeah, the yeah. original Pinocchio, just a total dick. <laughs> gets chopped up and turned into firewood. Steps on the cricket in the first yeah. like, day first, of his life. First handful awesome. of pages. yeah, yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't do this. Stop. <laughs> I'll not listen to you. I'm going to be an evil child. <laughs> uh, Matthew, what about you? Did you have a favorite story? I think mine was probably Ricky Tiki Tavi. I feel like it had that just enough of that sci-fi twist, but was clearly and almost unapologetically unchanged from the original. You know, rather than dealing with a, with a, an actual snake, they're dealing with a metaphorical snake. But all in all, as you go through this, it's really hard to pick a favorite because partly every one of them has something going for them. And partly there's 400 pages. <laughs> yeah, there's it, like uh, 26. It's like, I really like the part where John Henry ate porridge and then was fired off. Into the <laughs> I forget how many stories there are total, like 30, 40, something like that. Mm. John Henry was actually pretty good. I like the ones that were very faithful to the source material but also managed to do something that we hadn't seen before. I mean, the there are, and then of course there are the little plates in between the stories. Mm-hmm. Right. The one plate that sticks with me was the, the plate of Pygmalion yeah, where he's one. building the, the robot and she's looking at him and it's just like, Oh my God, that single image managed to give you a sci-fi take on Pygmalion. That's that one image was all you needed. You don't need to see it trying to learn an English accent. That's really all you need. And there are a few in here that I didn't actually know the source material. Yeah, I wasn't familiar some, with all of yeah, them either. I mean, these aren't just grim fairy tales. These are no, just no. fairy tales. All over yeah. Or really, not maybe not even fairy tales, just tales, because John Henry's a, a folk tale. Yeah. I like John um, well, Henry. The, the Three Musketeers is a book. Yeah, is the a book. Three Musketeers yeah, yeah. one I thought was really interesting, with yeah. the brothers having different like senses almost yeah was one, of them, was? Well, yeah, like, one of them can see one of them can talk yeah. and presumably taste and then one yeah. of them can like hear yeah yeah see that that felt like they were throwing in the the uh hear no evil see no evil yeah throwing that in on top of something else it felt a little bit like and then they actually did the story straightforward further on is the the story of the the five chinese brothers the one that i always heard as a pecos right. bill tale where you have the five characters with the abilities that complement one another mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The guy who could drink the ocean and the guy who could see everything and the guy who could run really fast. But I, I that may be just me. I didn't care for the Beauty and the Beast one, and it may be just because of the art. The black and white one, uh, it, just the art didn't didn't strike mm. right with me. And very, so the, very I kind of tuned out of that story very quickly. Very stylized. kind Almost like woodcuts in places. Is this too long? Should this be in, been book one and book two? <sighs> Should have been book one, two, three, and four, in my opinion. But, you know, again, I'm not reading, I'm not having that book in my hand and having that, (laughs) blah, 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 you know, it may be something where a lot is better. Yeah. You know, I don't know. 
Yeah. Well, I, and I like think... I said, I love that Grimm's fairy tale book. Mm. That's been around. Look inside and tell me what the copyright date is on that. Okay. That's a book that I found in my in my parents' basement when I was a young lad, and it's a book that I've just carried with me ever since because it's the complete Grimm fairy tales told with the horror and everything in there. Do I want just the little slice of stuff that's the Bavarian, you know, Snow White mm-hmm. tales? Um, no, it's it's got everything in there. So you get the good and the bad. Mm. Loose uh, tangent. Yes. So um, when we go do a, a show off in the wilds of Kansas. Slide it over here. And um, they we very frequently stay at a bed and breakfast there because yeah. they are sponsors. Right. So they basically give us a trade out. And so th- the basement has all of these ancient books mm. that mm-hmm. this family has basically accumulated where they've lived there and they have this like really old version of the jungle book and every time i'm there i sit down and read that very old version of the jungle book and i always want to steal it but i haven't because i know that the old lady who runs it probably is magic and as as soon as i try to take it out of the house i will like turn into a salt statue or something like that speaking of old ladies that chase you the baba yaga story yeah is pretty cool in this in this book um, yeah. hey, this, you're the, right. Uh, this book does not have. There's no copyright. There is no copyright. So <laughs> that's how old uh, that's it is. It. That's very old. old. This book is, but it's it's literally followed me around for the better part of 35 years, and I know it's older than that. So, um, it's I, I just 36. like I like uh, I like having it around, and so maybe in this case, maybe having a giant tome of these modern yeah. day fairy tales in comic book form is is a good thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would uh, want to see this really split up. I think because you had a nice mix of fairy tales that are well-known and then mm-hmm. actual like new stories thrown in. Like the sweet porridge one where the kid makes all the food. Was that? That wasn't an adaptation, was it? I mean, they're, yeah, all, I they're all... Oh, they're all yeah, adaptations? They are. Yeah. Oh, because I, I never know what that which one is. Yeah, I, I don't know what that one is, but that one was fun. The art and the, the weird kid trying to make all the food was great. I like... Um, I like I like it when it's clear that they're like not even trying. Um, I like the the Venusian shepherd boy who cried oh, space cried. wolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and space you read wolf. the story space wolf space wolf. <laughs> the space wolf alert is going on. What should we do? Ah, it is probably that Venusian shepherd boy Damn. again. And I then like that one. literally the last thing <laughs> is the wolf shows up and says, "See what falsifying will get you." The end. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the three little pigs one was was uh, interesting with the wolf trying to Being throw investigating. Yeah, investigating yeah. how greedy the pigs were in this weird future society where the earth is like yeah that one crap hole. I like the I like the art in that one, but yeah. that one just felt super flat for me. I was like, I don't see where this guy's go- where this is going. Mm-hmm. I just I just wasn't feeling that one. Kind of like milk and cheese, though. At least for me, and I think Bruce Otter had said he thinks the same way this is not something that you necessarily nor should you sit down and try to read 400 pages in one go this is a great book to have like sitting on your table when there's nothing else to do or something that you know you read a chapter a night before you go to bed this is the kind of book that you can get to the end and go back to the beginning and start over yeah because by the time you get to page 411 you're like what was that first one again and I really, I, I like that in that it feels 
this is going to come out wrong. It feels more like a book book than it does a standard comic book type story. It feels like it has a little bit more, I don't know if I'd say durability to it, hmm. but something where, you know, be, partly because it is that awesome anthology. And I do love an anthology. I can't, I can't turn away from any anthology. You get to the point where you're like, I'm just, I'm going to put this down. I'm going to come back. And when you come back, you can just pick up where you left off and read the three little pigs. There's stuff in here that you didn't like, Rodrigo. Yeah, there were a few that I was like that I thought were pretty weak. I thought the the three little pigs wasn't all that great. I thought that I actually didn't like the John Henry one. Mm-hmm. I I really? felt mm-hmm. I felt that in the story, like they were like the straw man actually did have a point. <laughs> they were like yeah. because they were like, <laughs> look, we are. We are building these robots so you don't have to go into black holes and mine the yeah, most yeah, dangerous yeah. thing in the universe. And John Henry's like, but that's our livelihood. And they're like, well, go get a different livelihood. This <laughs> yeah. is clearly incredibly dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, I will show you that I can do it and I will save your stupid robot and die in the process. And then, like, this is all framed by, like, the robots remembering him. And I'm mm-hmm. like, do they remember that humans were stupid? Yeah. <laughs> I like the, the design aspect of some of John Henry. Yeah. yeah, but the story I thought was nah. Erfinan. Erfinan. Matthew, anything I don't think there's you... anything in here that's flat out Erfinan for me. There are a couple where I just went not my bag and moved on, but mm-hmm. nothing really that you're just like, oh God, why is this? What? No. No, you are wrong. You are bad. This is drawn by Rob Liefeld. None of those <laughs> things happened for me. And some of them were just kind of transcendent. The Hansel and Gretel as bugs. Yeah, that was too yeah. weird. That, it wasn't even really science fiction. That's the thing that I loved about it. It felt like somebody built a fable around an existing fable. Right. I loved that. That one is just, oh, oh, I love this story. I want to pet so, it and give it some green tea. Conversely, from, say, the, the, the Venusian shepherd boy who cried space wolf right there's uh the three billy goats goats gruff right where that other one is just like basically the straight up fairy tale the three mm-hmm. billy goats is like nothing like the fairy mm-hmm. tale yeah they basically use the word gruff and that's what that is the character's name is billy mm-hmm. yes yeah yeah that one that one i didn't actually get all the way through honestly it went on and on and on and i just stopped the thousand and one nights i thought was gonna irk me because I thought it was the the framing sequence for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. When we oh, start out yeah. with that, I thought that was the framing sequence for what we were going to see. And I, in I a sense, it kind of is dislike of framing sequences. It, it kind of is because she says she's got a thousand of them, and then following that, we see all of these different takes on these fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, so that was that was. But the it's, not ex- it's not. Explicit, no, it's not. Though. It's not explicit. But I mean, the way that it's set up as the very first tale in the book, yeah, uh, does kind of of lead you to believe that. And I just, I just, I like that. Um, in in from the nature that it was, and the nice play on the on the character names, uh, mm-hmm. I really liked. Yeah, some of them were a little bizarre. Ugly Duckling is a little bizarre. <laughs> yeah. yeah but sometimes when i mean when you're dealing with art sometimes you have to deal with things that are uncomfortably avant-garde or things that are trying really hard to be avant-garde and actually come across as a little bit woo-hoo. well and the other thing is um you end up with a lot of restrictions for this right mm-hmm. they have to be sci they have to be it has to be an adaptation of an old fairy tale right mm-hmm. it has to right. be sci-fi 
and it has to fit within a certain amount of space. Right. So a lot of the time you end up with ones where some things are a stretch, some things don't quite work. You know, you have to really suspend your disbelief because you're like, well, this makes sense in, you know, the ancient Bavaria, but in the future where presumably because of the tropes I'm seeing, they would have this, this, and this, this kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of have to roll with it. Yeah, let your suspension of disbelief deal with it. Or, you know, just take each of the stories on their own merits. Because, again, that's the fun of an anthology. Mm-hmm. For everything that's like, bleh, you can go to the next one, and the next one may be something awesome with super awesome art. Or, You know, I loved the Venusian Wolf Boy, because I thought that was... It was it was incredibly overt yeah. humor. It was straightforward, tongue in cheek. I'm gonna do this fairy tale in space, mm-hmm. and here's my fairy tale in space. Matthew, bottom you know, they, line, they hung that big lampshade. Bottom line for me is, if you can afford this, you you should pick it up. I think it's a good it's a good overall story, in as much as it's 450 different stories. I think there's a little something here. Even if you go through this and you're like, well, four of these stories I didn't care for at all, there's still 35 other stories. What's the cover price on this $24.99, so it is very affordable. Oh, wow. 400 uh, pages for 25 bucks? No. I I say get it. Order it right now. Buy it on Amazon. Click on the link on Majorspoilers.com. Yep. Rodrigo, what about you? I agree. It's it's very affordable for the price, and... Yeah, uh, if you if you have this as a coffee table book, if you're a comic person and you like to have comic books around, this is a good choice. Um, you can have it on your table, and then when your friends come by and flip through it, they'll be like, oh, this was weird, and you can start a conversation yeah. about it. Uh, here's what you get if you go over to the Amazon.com. Uh, through the Major Spoilers link, you can get Once Upon a Time Machine for fourteen nineteen. Wow. Oh, so that's like 43% that's off. 43%. That's more than half. No, not quite, but pretty close. That's almost more than half. Zach, what about you? Uh, Yeah, I agree. I th- think uh, I pretty much summed it up. There's, Yeah, there's probably going to be maybe one or two you don't quite enjoy as much as you would a normal story, but I think there's going to be stuff you're going to you're gonna really enjoy in here, and there's some great art from a bunch of different styles, and there's those, uh, like, like little splash page thingies in between stories that are wonderful. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you if you can get this for even for t- the regular price of twenty four dollars, but you should definitely go through the major spoilers link, go to Amazon and buy it. Uh, oh, definitely yeah. worthwhile to have at your disposable to grab when you want to. I don't know, like avoid doing something you don't really want to do, and you just want to read some uh, really good good comics. Yeah, so you don't go talk to go your buy sister. it. Yeah, or you know you just. Have stupid schoolwork to do. And this, I mean, this goes by the Doritos theory in that even if there's a bad one, you'll have eaten two more by the time you realize that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, overall, this, I think, is a is a good collection, something to pick up. And, uh, well, worth the time to invest uh, little bits at a time, once a week, once a day, share it with your kids, whatever that you want to do. Sit down on a Saturday, read the whole damn thing. All right, everyone, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Next time, something 
more fascinating. Uh, something entertaining for sure. It'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. Stupid Spectacular. We don't know Superior. What it is, but it'll be awesome. It's one of those things for sure. Uh, but it will be a comic book. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Spoilers. revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Oh, wait, I think I found a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just buzz through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the would deal with all those tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I bag and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to keep up on all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a king side throwing soldier. Spoilers. It's copyright 2012.